in brightest day, in blackest night, all other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power, oranges lust and blues you can trust, indigos feel and white ones heal, yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mars face evil's minds. Respect their power for they'll make you see the light. Hi, everybody. I'm Chad Bokelman. I'm Mark Marble. And I'm Dan Kurtzke. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 542. My god, you guys, you have no idea how long I've waited to hit 542. The big one. The big, the big one. one. It's like <laughs> the whole reason I started podcasting like 15 years ago. Oh my god. <laughs> All right. Well, we're here to talk about uh, a secret revealed or rather a battle of wheels, a secret revealed. Yes, and Green Lantern issue number six, right? I think we are. And I also think it might have been written by Jeremy Adams with art by Zermanico and uh, uh, Scott Godlewski. I'm sorry, I probably said that wrong. Uh, colors by Romulo Fajardo Jr. and letters by Dave Sharp. The title of this issue is The Will to Rage. Hal and Sinestro have started fighting over the Arizona desert and Sinestro isn't holding anything back. The explosion of emotional spectrum energy can be detected from so far away that both the bat family and the superman family are aware of what's happening sinestro is lashing out with no restraint and no plan just rage and hal is having a hard time keeping up his green constructs aren't having any effect on sinestro and sinestro just keeps escalating the U.S. military sends in some fighter jets who do land a direct hit with a missile, but Sinestro counters with a massive construct kaiju that devours the jets and then turns its attention towards ripping the planet apart. Hal saves all of the jet pilots and then notices something strange. His ring is surging with power like it's being supercharged. He doesn't understand it, but this power boost may be his only shot at stopping Sinestro. Hal makes a gigantic green anime robot, and then for two pages, this book turns into an awesome episode of Power Rangers until Sinestro's rage reaches critical mass. Hal contains the explosion, but all of his extra power has been used up, and he feels totally wiped out. Sinestro decides it's finally time to leave Earth and head home for the planet Korrigar like he originally wanted. Hal tries to stop him, but can't catch up, and once again hits the altitude limit on his ring. Any higher, and Hal's ring would shut off like it did last time. He managed to stop most of the damage Sinestro tried to cause on Earth, but there's nothing he can do to protect Korrigar now that Sinestro is loose in the universe. Hal returns to his trailer outside of Coast City and is greeted by Kilowog. And another familiar face. It's Razor from the Green Lantern animated series. And he wants to know why Hal is talking to a construct of Kilowog. Hal disperses the full-color construct and tells Razor that that Kilowog is dead and that it's apparently Hal's fault. We've also got a 
part three of the backup story written by J- uh, Peter J. Tomasi with art by Dave LaFuente and colors by Tom- Tamara Bolivin and letters by Rob Lay. Uh, Korg crashes back. Sorry, I'm going too fast. Korg. No, no, you're not, Dan. Actually, you don't have to bother even mentioning this. If you don't want no, to. no. The people have to know about Korg. Korg crashes a back alley deal, don't you know, to sell stolen organs ready for transplant and gets away with both the money and all of the organs. Korg returns the organs to the hospital. You know, he's in a very good mood since he finally has all of the resources he needs to get off this planet. He spent the last year building a spaceship out of scraps and is finally done. Between the ship and the money, Gorg has everything he needs to get out into the universe, find Sinestro, and secure a better life for himself. So, of course, Nagaf, the adult who makes money from all of the local homeless kids, shows up out of nowhere and blows up the ship with a bazooka. End of part three. I called it! <laughs> There. I, I assume we were all waiting for that. So, um, um, you know, I got it out of the what, way. Your, your proclamation of victory? No, I don't think either one of us was really all waiting, <laughs> waiting with bated breath for that moment. No. <laughs> I can't believe that all those months ago, Chad realized that Nagaf was going to shoot that rocket with a bazooka. <laughs> they didn't even start. We didn't even know about this backup. And he's like, you know what? I bet Nagaf is going to grab a bazooka and blow up that rocket ship. I'm like, what's a Nagaf? He's like, you'll see. Um, I'd be very, I'm curious to know why the art style switched. Uh, is Zermonico not supposed to be doing the series moving forward? Or is it maybe just like one of those things where we're going to give our artists a break, then this next person is going to pencil the next issue or two. We're going to tell a quick different story and then we're going to hop back into the main arc. Because it happens sometimes. I mean, I assume it was just a deadline thing. In order to get this issue out on schedule, they had they brought in a different uh, a second artist to kind of pick up the slack. Oh yeah, not, I, I, it's not just the last two pages. Never mind. Yeah, I see it. As soon as uh, Sinestro breaks free of the rocket house, traps him too. Yeah, he, and he pages. has his monologue. Like then it's like switches. Like like it's it switches at the moment where he sh- he spits the giant red cloud of acid at Hal. Mm-hmm. And that stays until the jets show up, and then it switches back again later. I think. Yeah. Okay. Razor. I mean, like, I, I hate to jump to the end first, but you know, we've been waiting to know, you know, if we're right or wrong, and then the razor thing, of course. You know, we got to talk about that. I, I zoomed in on the image. He doesn't have a ring on him anywhere that we can see, but. um do you think we're counting Young Justice continuity in this as well, or no? I mean, who knows? Just, yeah. Like all I know, like Razor shows up and he's talking about like this group has history mm-hmm. in in the main DC universe now. I have no idea when it would have happened, yeah. but he calls he refers to Hal as his former ally and his friend, and he knows who Kilowog is. I don't know how much, like, who knows at this point how much of Green Lantern the animated series is either directly canon or has some equivalent happened in the the main DC universe now. I am just taking it as a given that the clock is now counting down to when we get Aya as well. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, I have no idea. Yeah. 
No, it's cool. I'm, I'm glad to see him and I'm glad to see him incorporated into the continuity. And I guess this technically makes, I mean, aside from like the animated series comic adaptation, this is his first appearance, huh? Yeah. Yeah. It so. makes me nervous because like for like I've, I've seen so many people over the last few years talking about like, oh man, wouldn't it be cool if Razor and Aya would come into the comics? And I understand that impulse, but I also kind of, I kind of like the fact that they stayed contained to the cartoon because like they had a really nice story and it, it, it ended not happily, but it ended and no one ever had the chance to mess them up or anything. Cause they never appeared anywhere else. Like I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful because Jeremy Adams knows how to, to stay true to the core of a character but at the same time, I'm like kind of anxious because I'm like, oh, God, there hasn't there was never a chance to be a bad Razor story. And now there is that chance. So I'm, I'm I don't know. I'm nervous. I don't know. I, I, I'm if it, I mean, Jeremy Adams is is writing it. So, you know, I, I have faith that it'll be good, at least for a little while. I mean, who knows, you know, the next person to carry the torch, what they'll do with it. But I think I, I think I'm OK with it for now. Can I tell you, I was kind of nervous that the Kilowog reveal would come and it would kind of land flat because we've been talking about this possibility with a fair amount of certainty for a long time at this point. Mm-hmm. And when I turned this page and saw Razor, my jaw dropped. The fact of the, the confirmation of the Kilowog thing is almost almost doesn't even matter because it's like. It's like Razor is here. Oh, and Kilowog said, but how is Razor here? <laughs> like this is this moment is the moment that I wanted to be able to have last issue with the Red Lantern Sinestro reveal. And it's amazing because it's not even really treated like that big of a deal. Like it's not a, a big splash page. It's not like he's not like in like a, a dynamic like hero pose or anything. It's literally just a a random panel, just like any other conversational thing. Like, oh, hey, this guy just walked up to you. And yet it still hits so hard. Yeah. What do you think, Mark? I like this issue overall. I thought, I mean, I like last issue too. I thought the the battle with Hal and Sinestro was pretty interesting. Obviously, it just keeps whetting the appetite for what's going on with the with the emotional spectrum. So hopefully... I know next issue we've been waiting to find out what the hell the deal is with Korogor, so that's going to probably be the thing we're going to get more of the reveal than um, than finding out about what's going on with the Spectrum. But I hope we're not going to have to wait like another three issues to find out what what is wonky with the with the Spectrum. I was kind I kind of was hoping, and again, I guess I guess anything's possible at this point. I was kind of thinking back to the last time we actually saw Red Lanterns, and certainly on Earth. That I I thought it would be cool though that if if we find out eventually the power that was amping up Hal's ring to help him stop Sinestro was actually from the Rage Seed inside the Earth going hey if they crack this planet open I'm dead <laughs> <laughs> go get him Hal <laughs> well I I don't think you're necessarily that far off just it wouldn't it wouldn't be related to the Red Lanterns because like Hal because the whole thing is like when Hal his his uh, inner monologue even says, "I can feel the energy of this place, something powering the ring," and it's like it makes it seem like like whatever it is, there is something unique to this geographic location that's amping him up. And 
I don't know. All I can think about is my big stupid Manhunter cult theory where like, hey, when 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 did Hal's ring like cut out the first time when he got too far away from the planet? When did it turn itself back on once he got close enough to the planet? And now the battle moved to a spot on the planet that just happens to supercharge him. It's almost like, hey, the power source that's feeding his ring is on the planet somewhere, maybe below the surface. And hey, maybe it's right under this where they were fighting. <laughs> so like I it like I as far as I'm concerned, the path forward for like figuring out what the hell's happening is for how to go back to this town and look around. Maybe the spot where Sinestro's construct started drilling a hole in the ground. That would be a very good place to start. <laughs> uh, I love the Pacific Rim fight, of course, with constructs. That was fun. Uh, and I love that uh, Hal took some inspiration from uh, from Kyle here. He had to have. <laughs> oh, God, I, I mean, it's this is it is so cool. It's I love seeing constructs on this scale because I don't remember the last time I've seen lanterns make anything as big as these mm-hmm. uh, i think it's we is really really weird to see hal jordan of all people of all people make an anime inspired robot but it was a lot of fun and as unless i'm mistaken i don't think it's directly aping anything like like i see like i've seen those shoulders on something before i've seen that kind of torso on something else. So I think it's just like a hodgepodge of, of references and inspirations. Yeah. And it's not like the whole, uh, giant Gundam type thing. Isn't, uh, is, is relegated only to Kyle's era because there's like Ultraman and stuff like that. So Hal might know about those things. Yeah. It's just, it's just, uh, I don't know. I, the, I feel like the more this run goes on, the more I wonder about, Hal Jordan's movie library. <laughs> <laughs> I liked how Sinestro, how Sinestro's first huge construct kind of looks like the butcher, but really isn't the butcher. It's kind of more like a, a, a really steroided out Ankylosaurus, but it kind of still looks butcher-like on some levels. But and that's what it kind of reminded me of. But clearly, it isn't as it pro, as it progresses and, and it changes. But that's what that's what it kind of reminded me of. Oh like yeah, a, the one that battering rams Hal. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like it's supposed to be like a Korrigarian prehistoric creature or something like that. Probably. Like yeah, like like if Hal was in the if the roles were reversed, Hal would be making like a triceratops here. <laughs> so yeah, speaking of constructs though, like like th- my jaw dropped twice when reading this issue. The second time was when Razor showed up. The first time was when we t- I turned the page and saw like the giant red alien Godzilla thing attacking the jets with mm-hmm. like it's the tongue with tentacles on it and shit. Like this is amazing. This is an incredible piece of art. This whole page, the scale is is staggering. The fact that the the construct is rendered in a different art style from everything else on the page, particularly all of the man-made aircraft. And it's like a detail I really do like is that this battle started as the sun was just starting to rise. So by the point that he's sending out this construct, there's like this intense yellow glow from the rising sun, like lighting this creature from one side. So like like you get this like nice flow from like a 
like it's calm yellow over to this like blood red. Ah, like I love everything about this, it, it, and it's 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 the shot you want in every Godzilla trailer on top of everything else. Yeah. He says, Sinestro, something's wrong. The emotional spectrum isn't supposed to do this. We need to stop. Do you think he's referring only to Sinestro just being able to channel rage out of nowhere? Or is he also maybe throwing out there the concern of the massive constructs they're both making? Because it's it's only, you know, he's he's talking about how he can feel the power welling up in him. But he also notices how powerful Sinestro is getting here. So do you think part of the problem is just the sheer amount of power they're using, both of them, not just Sinestro? Probably. Probably. Okay. Yeah, I mean, from the moment Hal made this ring, stuff has been happening that he can't explain and has never seen before or hasn't seen in a long time. And it's like they're they're either either there's no rules or there are rules, but they're different and nobody knows what they are. And it's very concerning. <laughs> Mm. And, and even potentially just the fact that Sinestro is able to make arguably any Red Lantern constructs, which we know are not easy to do. But the fact that, first of all, he's got a, he's got a red ring. He's not he he may be giving into the to the raid side of the force, but he's not mindless. He may be now he may be now he's not planning, but he hasn't lost his identity. So that's kind of weird, too. And he's making all these huge constructs, which we know Red Lanterns or very few Red Lanterns can really make constructs to begin with. And he's so, vomiting the spit. So yeah, that that part that is a commonality. He is puke. He is puking the napalm out. But so, but that, but that's almost by default. I mean, as soon as you put the red ring on, you almost that's almost like you have the control over that. That it just you end. And then even if it's just fo- like foaming at the mouth, it comes out of you. But but he's but it is interesting that he's showing some pretty advanced control of a red lantern ring, which we've only seen like once or twice. But that could also probably. But that probably has to do with the, because the spectrum's wonky. Though the fact that the fact that he again is kind of going the uh, sad sack Sinestro route of, of basically saying that hey you know this this red ring is helping me over this this is proving why I see I'm not I'm not really you know the downtrodden the depressed or shadow of my former self that the great darkness may somehow made him out to be and and because again going back to that. To that that girl that kind of like smiled at him or something. There was another reference to that. That it, it was just one of those things that obviously that he's counting on the the red ring like over, overcoming the sins that his uh somehow his yellow ring couldn't do, which is an interesting concept. But it's also interesting to see exactly how I don't think he'll exactly be greeted with open arms on Corrigar uh, with the, with the red lantern ring. Yeah, this bothered me because like like I, we've I've talked a lot already about. How how the all the things they're trying to do with Sinestro's recent past with like Dark Crisis and up acting as like a justification for all the changes to this his character just kind of don't work because in this issue they're basically trying to pay off psychological and emotional trauma in this character that they're blaming on something that happened predominantly off panel very recently. And it feels like, like, it feels like cheating, especially when this issue starts with Hal's internal monologue, giving us all the justification, justification we actually need for an outburst like this. Like Hal says, like, this isn't like Sinestro. He's always, 
he's always so calm and in control. Like, okay, so you're telling me a person who he who keeps themselves composed, not forever, but for years, suddenly lost it, and it just happened to to coincide one of the time when the emotional spectrum is going crazy. Like, that's it. That's all we need. We don't need anything to do with Dark Crisis, except for maybe an explanation for why the hell he's stuck on Earth to begin with. Yeah. So when Razor when Razor shows up, um, it's he's he's first says, you're right, Lantern Jordan, when he's referring to Hal saying something's wrong with the emotional spectrum, Kilowog, something's wrong up there, I can feel it. And then he says something's wrong down here as well. Obviously, it teases what happened on Kurogar as what's coming up next. Do you suppose we're also in that going to be getting? So, so Hal's going to have to tell the story of how Kilowog died, and Razor's going to tell us of what's wrong with the Spectrum, like what's happening out out in space here. I mean, maybe because uh, I we still don't know what all like how much Hal knows, but I mean that could be Razor's function here. Yeah. Hmm. Also, just saying, in the animated series, you know who, you know what a uh, group Aya was, uh, was uh, joined up with for a while there, Manhunters. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry, I'll stop. <laughs> but yeah, I think I mean I can't get over like look look how quickly plot development happens. Literally every time Hal sits down and talks with his friends, like mm-hmm. back. He, everything changed when he sat down and talked to Barry for five minutes. Now here's Razor, and we're getting like, oh yeah, by the way, Kilowog's dead, and here's what happened on Korrigar. <laughs> <laughs> call somebody! Jesus, call Clark! He did mention Ollie earlier. He said Ollie would love this when he turned himself into that spear. True, yeah. Mm-hmm. Any significance, you think, to when the fight is over and they both explode in that light and it has kind of like that violet hue? I, I'm saying I'm saying probably no, just like a combination of their two lights or whatever. But, uh, you know, it's kind of worth noting that it is like a violet color there. Or indigo, too. Violet or indigo, yeah. yeah. I mean, it could be. Mm-hmm. It could be an expression of the fact that, like, maybe they're both, like, act, like for some reason just leaking another spectrum light in this mm-hmm. moment or... Or it could just be let's let's distort it to sell the impact kind of thing. Yeah, I will say one uh, reference. I think I recognize, unless it's referring to something else. uh, When Superboy, Supergirl, and Superman are in orbit, and they're talking about, hey, that light's strange. Superman says the emotional spectrum has been known to give off kryptonite-like radiation. Superboy. Uh, That's a reference to DC, uh, DC Comics Presents 26, right? I don't know the exact issue, but I know lanterns have made kryptonite before. Yeah, that's the so for any of you playing along at home, that's the cover of DC Comics Presents, uh, where uh, Green Lantern is creating a big construct of kryptonite and it's hol- holding it over Superman's head, and he's like towering on the ground in front of him. Um, that's also uh, the first time we ever see the new the the new Teen Titans, so we get like our first appearance of Cyborg and everything. They give us a backup of that. Uh, I actually have that comic signed by Marv Wolfman. So, <laughs> um, but I th- I think that's what it's it's in reference to. But I, I can't be sure. I guess it probably is. And th- I like the idea that like because like because uh, Superboy is like there's something weird about the light. It makes it hard to think. And I like this idea that like 
this much intensely focused emotional spectrum energy, if you're not used to it, it kind of should make make normal coherent thought more difficult because like you're being overwhelmed with pure pure emotion mm-hmm. and like you can like kind of stitch that together with the fact that it's been used to make kryptonite before like that works well enough and i I really like these first two panels as like a way to acknowledge the larger dc universe while also explaining why nobody else is coming to help mm-hmm. i mean it also serves to to kind of give us potential future team up stuffs or interactions where either Batman or the Superman family, like, Hey, what the hell just happened? Uh, type of interactions later on. Um, because he, like you said, he, he's already, uh, act, um, interacted with Barry and he's, he's mentioned Ollie, which we still need to see that, that, but obviously I think is Ollie still in space right now. He's still lost in space. Isn't he? I think he's, he's either in space or he's like, He's uh stranded in the future. Yes, right. Yeah. He's in the future. Last time we yeah, saw. Yeah, the future. Yeah. Because he's never talked. He never talked about that disaster of an issue. We still have to. Yeah. At some point. Um. Yeah. I I honestly would be surprised if we get a lot of emotional spectrum reveals next issue. I think that's going to drag on for a while. Just like we just like we know we're gonna we're getting close to getting some answers about what why Earth has been quarantined and what the hell is going on with the uh. Those space fascists, the United Planets, that we're going to be getting some uh, explanation of that stuff, too. But considering how long it took us to get the Kilowatt confirmation and we still haven't gotten the the Korrigor story, story, we we can't get we we can't put the cart before the horse too much. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I I do think the I think the pacing is in this book is a little better than we give it credit for just because like we're pl- we're plugged in to a degree that other readers aren't so we're fi- chad figured out kilowog was dead by issue two <laughs> you know that was that was probably supposed to be a big moment in here i mean I, like, I mentioned it in issue one coverage yeah, yeah. but like like and what, and what was the timestamp you mentioned it chad <laughs> <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> flip open the notes but like this the, the kind of the pacing of this series so far is like introduce a lot of mystery and have some downtime have some talking then here's an issue that's mostly action and it goes by super fast so it's like any any concerns you had about it dragging its feet are gone because we just went all in on like this big spectacle and then we were good to have another couple issues of exposition and and uh character work yeah Yeah. i I would expect next issue yes to be uh not to be much uh action other than obviously we us saying what's already happened all right anything else to say about this issue before we move on to other other topics other environments and not the backup story which none of us care about i I, i'm not trying to to shit on it or anything uh just as i've said in other coverage it's i'm clearly not the intended audience for this story um i don't know if that will change with the the sinister sons or not Probably not, but, um, you know, we'll see. I mean, I think it's cool things uh, here and there that he's uh, he's obviously doing this stuff for himself, but, you know, he's returning the organs. That's kind of cool, you know. But, again, art, I, I can appreciate the art. I can appreciate the coloring, as I mentioned before, and some other coverage, but it's it's not it's not intended for me. <laughs> yeah, Which, I'm, you know, the organ. Th- oh, sorry, you go. Okay, okay, no, go ahead, you go. The returning of the organs really 
stuck out to me. Like, I get that he's in a good mood because he gets to leave, but it kind of feels like, you know, hey, we have an we have a book starring this guy coming. We have to make we have to show people he's not as he like we have to show him that he's a good guy now all of a sudden, you know? It's it's weird. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Mark, what were you going to say? Oh, I was going to say once again as far as quote unquote giving people a pass for things. We can't we can't really give that if this if this story isn't really resonating with a lot of people, which again, I have to suspect that it's not. We we certainly can't give the you know, can't give the creative team a pass because well, we're not the quote unquote target audience because if we're not the target audience, really, then it shouldn't be a backup story in this friggin' book because the target audience would be us because they know we're reading this book. So if if they don't think it's really going to work with us, there's no point putting it in this book. It should be somewhere else in the backup story because so that's why I'm not entirely. I mean, I know what you're saying. I agree with you. If you're based on tonally, the art is fine. The art's the best thing about this so far. But if if conceptually this is for a younger audience and not they wouldn't expect it to be a lot of the mainstream green lantern or the uh war journal audience then 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 it shouldn't be here because that's again you have to you have to you have to quote unquote know your audience on what you're giving them and so like i said i know i get your point but i do but i think it's one of those things where if there is an audience for this book and if it they and if if it isn't us, then why is it here? These pages could be spent doing something else. We sh- kind of should be the audience for this. Yes. Like, I mean, us and Super Sons fans, you know? Because, I mean, he- hey, here's a-, a mysterious new character from Korgar who may or may not have connections to Sinestro, who fanatically puts Sinestro up on a pedestal and kind of builds his own identity around him. And his adventure is going to spin off into another series. Like, that seems like it could be cool, but the problem is like this backup, this whole series of backups, it's cha- it's like four or something chapters of an underwhelming prologue to a story that we don't even really know what the real story is going to be. I guess we'll know better next issue because I believe next issue is the fourth and final chapter of this backup, but. I have a hard time believing that you needed four chapters just to tell us what has been told to us already. Like, it doesn't seem like, like, it seems like most of what we got out of the first three chapters could have been done in one or one and a half. Yeah. And I think that I'm and I'm only half kidding. And like, it would be nice. And, and we know this won't happen because they're spinning this off. But I was, I was going to say, it would be nice on the way to Corridor, Red Lantern Sinestro shows up and just napalms him. <laughs> it just moves on. <laughs> See, that's the other thing. What I mean, it, it, it's it's not really intent. I'm glad you mentioned that because I was just I know I was thinking it earlier and then I lost the thread because I didn't have a good way to connect back to it. If even though even though we're not the target audience for this, I, I, I feel like at least. It would be interesting if somehow this. Aside from the Sinister Sun things, or maybe it happens in Sinister Suns, I don't know, because a Zod book is supposedly starting very soon, too. So, you know, maybe there's some crossover potential there as well. But anyways, my point being, what if the next time we see Sinestro, it's in Sinister Suns, he's still red and that pisses off Korg because he's 
worshiping Sinestro in the you know the fear light. He's dedicating it to thing, and all of a sudden he sees Sinestro feeding off of rage instead. It's really we're we're in like we're still in this like really interesting time where yeah these books have been going for for four or six months so far, but like we're still early enough that we're starting to identify certain threads and kind of see where they're going, but it's still too early to really understand anything larger than that scope. We have, we have a bunch of lantern books right now. We have a bunch of lantern adjacent characters that are spinning off in their own directions. We know that there was, I don't know. I don't know if you want to call it a meeting or a summit or whatever of, of, the writers in charge of these characters. Mm-hmm. We do know that. Like we are at a stage where like, do I think sinister stuns is going to be like super important and something that we should pay attention to ever and like pour over every issue every month? No, I'm I'll keep an eye on it. I'm probably not going to going to read it until a bunch pile up just to, just to check on it. But like we're at a place right now where it, could be part of something bigger that we can't see the full picture of yet like in a in it seems a little too too coincidental that at a time when they're really playing with sinestro and his sense of identity and his relationship to Korrigar, suddenly hey here's this kid who claims to be sinestro's cast off son who is fanatically trying to get reach the like his supposed father like unless this is like a really weird case of one like one hand doesn't know what the other's doing it feels like there's and and we still don't know what the hell happened on Korrigar there are so many ways all these pieces could or could not come together that I don't know I don't know like a year from now we could be talking about how vital Korg's adventures in this backup were her. Yeah, maybe I I still don't think there's there's much here for me even even you know potential future stories notwithstanding I, I don't know. Oh I don't, yeah, I mean it's not going to retroactively make it better. It's just going to be like it's out future knowledge. It doesn't feel like there's anything here. Yeah, except art that looks pretty nice. Speaking of art that may or may not look nice, there is one thing I have to complain about, about the uh, the Hal Jordan part of this comic. So there are three very distinctly different ways this issue does backgrounds. The first is, you know, traditionally drawn comic book backgrounds, which look pretty nice. The second is is blurry and distorted photographs of real places, which you know, when used sparingly, properly, they can get the job done. I'd rather not have them, but they're serviceable. And the third is totally blank page with one or two solid colors on it and maybe some speed lines. And it's so... And the the story just switches between all three of these constantly on the same page over and over again or we'll have an entire page with no backgrounds and then a splash page where it's the 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 photography backgrounds and 
it just it makes the it takes it took me out of it like i was having a lot of fun with this issue i really liked this issue but every time they pulled like this like a really overt background change it took me out of it and it makes the book the issue overall feel unfinished and mm-hmm. like maybe it was a time thing i don't know all i know is i like i can i can appreciate the thought that goes behind some of the uh the stylistic choices here because when you have a distorted photograph of the earth it helps sell the speed that hal is supposed to be flying the speed and the height that he's supposed to be flying and theoretically if done well enough so can a a minimalistic speed line filled like blank or solid background like that like those can be effective tricks for showing fast movement it really doesn't work in this issue and i hate it and i hope they don't do it anymore i'm wondering where they are actually are because we know they start off in arizona given the map and everything i'm looking at things i think they're somewhere in baja california or baja california sir just that peninsula of mexico mm-hmm. um and i'm I've, I've been like i've been you know kind of in the background as we talk just you know casually scrolling through like a map and trying to find like the bigger cities that would be located along coastal towns and stuff like that. Uh, I'm what I think it might be like Santa Rosalia or something like that. Uh, at least in terms of like architecture, coast, some of the images I'm seeing it. I mean, it's very clearly somewhere, somewhere South of Arizona at the very least, whether it's as far down South as like South America or if it's just Mexico, I don't know, but you can tell definitely by some of this architecture. So um, I, I don't know exactly where it's supposed to be. Obviously, you know, their lanterns, they could be flying at supersonic speeds. And even though they started off in in, um, uh, in in Arizona, they could be somewhere, you know, down in Brazil or something for all we know. But, uh, you know, just in terms of your theory of like where where this manhunter power or whatever, uh, you know, could be coming from, if that's what it is. Uh, I, I was like, okay, well now I'm going to Google Santa Rosalia DC <laughs> comics and see if like there was a reference to it in millennium or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so uh, I, I'm not sure, but I, I, you know, if they start off in Arizona and they're relatively close by, they're clearly next to the coast, which I think puts it somewhere, you know, obviously South of Arizona is, is Baja or just somewhere around the Gulf of California. Well, wherever they are, the, like that, that, uh, Army general in the Ferris Aircraft control tower called mm-hmm. in the uh, fighter jets who were able to reach them. So like I don't know like I don't know where they were taking off from, but I have to assume that they're still somewhere cl- like cl- relatively close. Like they're still on on like the continental United States or something. Yeah, so, looking at what I'm seeing for f- looking back at, at Green Lanterns number one, it looks like. The part related to the Hell Tower did take place in Arizona. Oh, really? Yes. Interesting. Looking at what, looking at it, it just when you're looking at the locations mentioned in issue one on DC Fandom, anyway, it says the United States of America, Arizona, Pima County, and Hell Tower first appearance. So, so, so there is certainly an opening for it to be related to the raid seat if they're fighting over if if they were fighting a lot of this action was taking place in Arizona. And the rage seed buried deep beneath the ground, just like the Manhunter base, which 
hey, those lizards that run that off that uh, that uh, guild in that office building, they're from a race that has like really good digging technology. Because I went back and I read like Justice League number three or whatever it was. I love this shit. I'm probably <laughs> totally wrong about 75% of it, but this is fun. <laughs> Um, speaking of, uh, actually, does anybody else have anything to say about this issue before we, before we move on? Not for me. No, good issue. Good issue. Uh, looking forward to it. And, and listeners, I, I will not tell you what is coming next because everything on this show is, is possible until it's actually recorded, at which case it's a fact. (laughs) Um, but by the time our coverage of issue seven rolls around, we might have something very, very special paired with that that episode coverage. So uh, be prepared to potentially learn a little bit more about, um, you know, what happened on Korrigar more than what issue seven itself will tell you. So we shall see um, this one, maybe more kaiju fights. And speaking of giant kaiju fights, uh, a trailer dropped not too long ago. and um, Caught quite a bit of people's attention, huh? So much we almost talked about it, but then we got. But when did we get derailed with the last? Was was the last episode? Was the last? Uh, who knows? Or the, or the or the one before that? They must have, probably was probably was the last one because of because we did yeah because we decided to do the feedback related to Alan Scott in the Alan Scott review. Mm-hmm. Godzilla Godzilla Times Con, stupid ass title. And what 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 it was the new was it the new empire right? Yeah, the new the the kingdom of the planet. No, I mean uh, <laughs> the, the new empire. So. Oh, I didn't even realize is the title like Godzilla and then an X and then Kong. Yes. Because like okay, so that is like depending on the context, that is either pronounced Godzilla cross Kong or or just Godzilla Kong or like like there's there's three or four different ways to to actually use that grammatically. But yeah, the trailer dropped, uh, and Dan and I, and our sorry, Mark and I definitely saw it. Dan, you had to have seen this, right? I am looking it up now because I don't remember. Oh, you'd remember. I'm lo- I'm watching it right now. All right. <laughs> uh, we'll talk about it in the meantime while you keep an eye on it. Um, there's an opening scene in it, Mark. I don't know if you heard because I saw someone like doing breakdowns of it online. Apparently, I guess in the novelization there was some stuff that. Um, was talked about that obviously didn't make it into the movies. One of which is like a um, a giant cephalopod or uh, what do they call that? A, a kraken? Yeah, I believe if I remember correctly, because I did read the novelization, I believe both gods. I think both Godzilla and Kong had opponents that they that they that were described as them vanquishing in the beginning of that of the novelization that obviously never made its way into the movie. Yeah, so one of these opening scenes is like an inlet, uh, with it, which is probably a monarch base of some kind, and it's just surrounded by these pillars, and and people are theorizing that this is probably where the kraken is housed or something like that. Um, it could be, you know, a, yet another portal into um, into the hollow earth or something, but you know, uh, that's that's what people are talking about. The the gauntlet coming out of the ground really threw me for a loop until I saw the end of the trailer because I was like, right. wait, 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 are we are we are we getting mechs or are we yeah. getting giant people? Like, what is happening? Yeah, there 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 definitely is a plot reason in the movie for Kong to have that, and no, yeah. he's not. No, he's not con, con, uh, collecting Infinity Stones. So uh, it would be nice if he did. 
um, I do like that. Once upon a time, we had uh, Baby Godzilla, and now we get Baby Kong. <laughs> yeah, he's kind of cute. The or the the whole the whole orange gorilla thing is 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 interesting. Does make you wonder how much deeper they've gone into 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 Hollow Earth, and obviously this movie. Based on everything that's been out there about this movie, there, this this trailer is purposely going out of its way to not show you everything, every uh, Titan you're going to see in this movie. That yeah. you only you only see this what Scar King, you only see him as the threat, which he is, but he's not the only. He is well, he's clearly the- he's clearly ruling over other other Kongs or something, isn't he? Yeah, he yeah he's he's obviously dominating these other these other these other apes, but yeah. and and they hint that he is you know he is the one that. You know, they certainly hint he is the one that has helped wipe out some of the the Kong species, if not all of it. Plus, now some people have speculated that spine thing around him is related to Kongs. I don't. I think that's related to Godzilla. I think that's like a Godzilla tail that he has around him, like almost like a weapon or armor. Because I think, because I think we're probably going to find out that that cave Kong found in Godzilla Oops, versus Kong, yeah, was actually hit was his Scar Kings, not not Kong's people. Uh, and that's the reason why you had the, the dead Godzilla on the floor along with so. But uh, yeah, Star Sapphire Godzilla, and I'm here for it. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that is a, that isn't that is an interesting look. I mean, yeah, it's, some some people online have been losing their shit over that, and I don't get it because if you watch each of those movies in sequential order, his power up ability has progressed. Like it was it, in the first movie, it was the slow light up and everything. And then he he let out the blast, but there was no change in his chest. The other parts of him didn't glow. And, but by the time you get to Godzilla versus Kong, when he's letting out the blast and he's like supercharged a little bit, um, you know, because you you have to remember what happened in King of the Monsters when they revived when they revived yeah. him with the nuke and everything. Obviously, he does the whole full on like nuclear meltdown thing. Um, but but in Godzilla versus Kong, like when he starts powering up. Now, all of a sudden, his chest is lighting up as well, right before he does the blast. So clearly, and we see that little scene of him uh, being like crystallized under the ground in some sort of hibernation state. He's been absorbing energy in the hollow earth, which we only saw for a few seconds in the last movie. So who knows what kind of energy source is down there. But clearly, Godzilla's energy source is impacted by whatever's powering him, the the radiation he's absorbing. So people losing their mind over him having a different color here makes no sense to me. Also, watch Shin Godzilla. Sometimes his fire looks like fire. Sometimes his fire is purple. Sometimes his fire is purple lasers that shoot out of his back for some reason. All that (laughs) matters is it looks awesome. Yeah. Yeah, there's enough history in all those, especially now that I've watched so, not all still, but so many of those godzilla movies the more of the modern ones on on that on that pluto channel that you see all these yeah i mean and that's part of god and that's part of what godzilla has done he's just evolves and obviously that's what and there's clearly they're even setting it up in this movie that there's a plot reason a a reason in the movie which which you kind of even get a hint of with uh when they're showing with gia was it gia or jaya i forget how they pronounced her name in the last movie uh when she's been kind of like she, you know, when she's like walking up the steps or whatever, that that, that, that you know, the power is, is clearly going to be related to what gives Godzilla his, you know, a different a different color hue. That based on what I heard about this movie, it should be it should be interesting. I'm always concerned because 
I don't really like Adam Wingard all that much. I think Godzilla versus Kong was better than I would mostly, even with my aversion to or my disdain for the outcome of the Kong Godzilla battle the way they had it. That the reality is that it movie that movie could have been a lot worse, which is not a ringing endorsement, but it could have been a lot, a lot worse. But I still have a problem from a from a writing perspective. I have a problem which this movie kind of at least hints that may be similar that you once again Kong's going to be the main character. And, it's, and it potentially could get shafted just to have some kind of moment at the end. But and I kind of don't like that. But if he's your P or V character, you can't. So that's why I'm hoping the wrist, the hand, the arm hand thing that happens in the movie isn't just a straight up ass whooping that it's maybe he's trying to protect the kid, the ape, or maybe he's distracted by that ape. And he, and that's why he or as Jackie Chan would say, your focus needs more focus, that maybe that's part of the reason why. Uh, but based on everything we that's out there about this movie it's there's two titans that they're dealing with they're only showing you one at the moment and maybe you covered this while i was watching a trailer but like the reveal of that little the little red ape did was he a gigantic thing that shrank down to disguise himself as a little no it's the shadows it was the light it was the shadow okay it was the distortion yeah, like in like in uh, Return of the King when Samwise is coming up the stairs and the ogres shrink back, uh, the orcs shrink back because they see his massive shadow and then he comes around the corner and he's a tiny hobbit. <laughs> Same thing. Uh, I do. I look. Uh, I I know it's not gonna happen uh, because we need to go a bit more cosmic and and less uh, into the earth and more out of the earth. Which interesting. We haven't done this yet. I would like to see them go this way. Although I wonder if it's too late. Um, I do love how crystalline the the pink spikes seem. He seems like he's also got extra spikes. They're more jagged, more crystal-like, which reminds me of Space Godzilla, which is my favorite of the kaiju villains um, and always has been as, as a kid. Uh, I was just particularly drawn to that. Him and Mecha Godzilla, of course. Um, but uh, but uh, if we're not going to throw in Mecha, it's always going to be Space Godzilla or and I could never say his name right. Angiris. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've always liked Angiris. Um, and Rodan. But uh, regardless, uh, it's interesting. Rodan's a weasel. Come on, he's yeah, a I know, weasel. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> but remember, remember, you know, because we always talk, you know, the monsters and everything. There was such a sci-fi element to Godzilla over there for a while, with like things coming from space and little aliens, like fucking around with a kaiju on earth and causing him to go wild and things like that. I'm surprised we haven't gone extraterrestrial in this just yet. Um, I, I suppose it's possible, obviously. Um, but, uh, you know, you know, this is, it's, you know, if we include skull Island, we're what, this is five, six films in, you know, maybe it's too late to go that way, but I, I, I would, I would hope to see some of those elements brought in here. I don't know, Chad. One of the first things I saw in this trailer was a big robot fist come out of the ground in front of the pyramids. And that to me screams, oh, we're going to, you know, we're we're already doing the hollow earth. Now, here's some ancient alien bullshit. So I I, I think we're we're segueing into that. <laughs> I don't remember which of the franchise it was, but seeing a mech arm come out of the ground next to the pyramids reminded me of that Transformers movie. Second one, I believe. Yeah. Well, then, well, yeah. Like, like as soon as like I, this arm, this mech arm is yellow and black. Like my first thought was like, is that fucking Bumblebee? <laughs> yeah, a lot, a lot, a lot of people said, oh my god, it's 
and not in a positive way. Oh, Jesus, it's Transformers. <laughs> and and the and just to be clear, Dan, in case you didn't already know, I'm sure you're just being facetious. The black you're seeing is Kong's actual skin. Yes. Kong is wearing it. Oh yeah, because you had that on at the end. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Right. Which yeah. speaking of, by the way. I don't care the physics of giant monsters running at full speed. It's pretty freaking cool to see Godzilla and Kong running full tilt at the camera. <laughs> yeah. Listen, it, maybe they have to pee. You don't know. <laughs> I mean, that that is the that is the potential. The most cool thing potentially in this is the idea that at least Godzilla and Kong will have an understanding that they both basically are guardian titans and they and they serve a they serve a purpose in protecting and protecting the earth even if even if ultimately again they have to when threats are big enough for the entire planet they come together but even if Kong's role is really to protect uh hollow earth and Godzilla is more designed to protect the the outer earth uh the I think it does hint I think at the very least it kind of hints at you know, kind of like to destroy all monsters or all this stuff. I I think it hints at where they're going. It is a little. It is speak, speaking of not so much Rodan because yeah, Rodan is always cool, but he is a weasel. I mean, Ro, yeah. Rodan, Rodan, Rodan is like your ultimate like uh, which one? You know, hold your hold your wing up to the air to see which way the wind's blowing, and that's the side he's going to be on. So you never you you never you never trust. You never trust Rodan. It's kind of like Magneto to a large extent, except Magneto always seems to come around again before until he screws you the next time. Now but, Mothra, that's a monster that'll help you move. But that's the one. I, that's where I was going. It's kind. It is kind of unfortunate that I don't. That it doesn't look like we'll see. We're going to see Mothra at least actively in this movie. And it kind of at this point, you would like to think that we're going to be getting close to having another another Mothra. But yeah, I think I think this is an interesting choice where they're going with it. I don't know if it's a good choice. I would have preferred something along the lines of uh, following the, the traditional trajectory of Godzilla movies and going, yes, dealing dealing with an outer threat more than and you still have the potential. Yes, obviously, Mecha Godzilla could get rebuilt. You still have that other head of Ghidra that was on the black market, right? Or is that the one that you, is that the one that's they, the one they, that's the, that's one, the they one they use for Mecha Godzilla? That's the one they use for Mecha Godzilla. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, I'm also wondering, and this is maybe a bad example and there might be a better example out there, but you know how like for Thor Ragnarok, um, the trailer showed him like with both eyes and stuff like that. Yes. And, and then, you know, it turns out the actual scene was, he was missing an eye and everything. Right. I wonder if the gauntlet is a fake out. Like, because we see Kong with his axe and then we suddenly don't. And he has a mechanical arm gauntlet. And it's clearly in the scenes like wrapped around his hand, like some sort of, you know, uh, you know, addition to his arm or whatever. What if he got his arm chopped off and it's just a big prosthetic? There have been there have been there have been rumors that is what happens. But I don't I hope I, again, this is where you hope I a lot of people have countered that and say based on what they've seen is like no that it's that it's it's basically it's not because there were a lot of rumors oh he loses his arm and monarch gives him another one but i i think it i think realistically it probably makes more sense anyway that he just you know he breaks his arm he damages his arm and that's kind of like the brace that they they give him is it possible mm-hmm. yeah i really hope that's not the case and the stuff with the axe i'm pretty sure the reason we don't unfortunately I unfortunately think he's going to lose the axe. Whether he gets it back at the end is another story. I think all the stuff with him without the brace in the beginning of the movie is before he meets Scar King the first time. And then and then all the stuff we're seeing in Egypt and at the end is 
is that it's at the end it's it's after that after monarch has tried to help him and he and this is why again all all they had to do in the last movie was establish that kong's special power was that he had an advanced healing factor which we go back to skull island you could have made a case there after he was napalmed and everything how quickly he came back from that that's all they had to do was give him an advanced healing factor and then even in this movie something like that maybe like maybe they will maybe they'll finally say that wow he's he's wolverine it's like i can't believe how fast he's healing from this but well, he's also noticeably older and grayer so i'm wondering also if he dies at the end of this too there's rumors about that too and that and that would yeah. piss me off to know. i don't i don't think they would do that yet because if that if that little ape is going to be a successor he's way too young He's yeah. way too small. I don't, and I don't, and that wouldn't, yeah, that would not, that would suck. Would I put that past them? No, but I hope not. I yeah. really hope that's not the case. I hope this is more the movie that he becomes the true, the true undisputed king of, of Hollow Earth at the end when he and Godzilla defeat, the, you know, the Scar King and the other Titan that they have to deal with, who's, uh, supposedly has a big historical reference and major events in, in the world history based on what his, what his abilities are. Kong, Kong is Moses going to to Pharaoh Scar King, going let my people go. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much like Moses. Yeah, I've always thought they look alike. But Kong is getting to the end of the. The part is the the thing that sucks is based on age. We know Kong is getting to the end of the line. He has to be. Okay. I mean, we don't know how we don't know how long his species would live or you know genetically could live. Obviously, the majority of them probably died in battle one way or the other. But the reality is you go back, you know, he was alive in the 1940s or whatever, when, in, in the beginning of Skull Island when that when that when that when everybody crashed on the island and what C. Thomas Riley cl- uh, crashed. Uh, I think that was supposed to be Kong, not his parents. I think it was supposed to be Kong that you see in that in that clip. So Kong was alive then. And then obviously he was only like an adolescent in the 1970s when we saw him. But that's a long time ago now. So Kong clearly is. As as the analogy, the one thing I did like with this analogy, when Wingard said he kind of saw him, he basically saw Kong in the last movie as like Clint Eastwood and Unforgiven, that he's this old battered gunfighter who really doesn't give a shit anymore and has no desire to do any of this anymore. But when you push him and he's in the, he finds himself in the wrong place at the wrong time and he gets pushed, then yeah, then he's going to be doing doing what he does best. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just glad that there's so much variety of Godzilla and Kong content out there right now. Like there's mm-hmm. this, there's Godzilla minus one, and there's Godzilla vs. Kong versus the Justice League. If anybody wants to read a comic book, like it's, it's like th- this is it's an also unprecedented the, the, amount. The Monarch series on Apple Plus, Apple Did TV Plus. Start? Yep. But yeah, I'm looking forward to it all. So we'll we shall see in 2024 when this comes out. Yes, yeah, one uh, of the bigger movies in a limited, in a very limited amount of releases. Yeah, Mark and I are going to fight over this for oh, a tough. List. Yeah, it's going to be a tough <laughs> list. Yeah. Um, Dan, people want to reach out to you. How do they do it? Mosaic Comics on YouTube. It's uh, where I do analytical analytical video essays about comics that are mostly Green Lantern. Uh, I've got a lot of stuff that I want to have come out at by by the end of the year. Come on by and see if I finish any of them. That is Mosaic Comics. Mosaic Comics brought to you by Jim Ford Enterprises. <laughs> he wishes. He wishes is correct. Lanterncast.com. Email is lanterncast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, or on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Rest in Peace, Stitcher, Podbean. Leave us a positive review on all platforms you listen to us on. Last but not least, if you'd like to leave us a voicemail or text 708 Lantern and let us know what you think. 
All right, everybody. I think next time around, uh, God willing, I think we're going War Journal, and then uh, we're breaking for Christmas. Woohoo! Yay! All right, guys. Talk to you later. Good night, everybody. Good night.